Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I am thrilled to start off the new year with this episode featuring my guest, Ken Rusk. Ken has an incredible story to tell, and he has decades of experience and wisdom to share with parents and their teens. Ken got his start digging ditches at the young age of 15. Decades later, he's a highly successful construction business entrepreneur who's been called the Million Dollar Ditch Digger. Ken is also the author of Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. During our conversation, Ken talks about his journey from high school ditch digger to successful entrepreneur. We discuss the important distinction of skills versus education and why we need to remove the stigma of blue-collar careers. Ken shares his method for helping teens and adults visualize their life and why parents should encourage teens to think outside of the college or else box. You won't want to miss Ken's suggestions for parents of teens who are struggling to choose a path or his advice to young people about beginning their investments early. In addition to his business achievements, Ken is committed to helping the Make-A-Wish Foundation. There's a lot to unpack in this episode, so let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Ken. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And happy holidays to everybody. Oh, and happy holidays to you, too. Yeah, we're approaching the end of this very bizarro year. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have uh, this topic today is so close to my heart and one that I get on my soapbox about over and over and over again in that four-year college is not the only path. But before we get into all the things that you and I have to talk about I would love for you to just spend a couple minutes or so kind of filling in my audience on who you are and and a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you. Again, my name is Ken Rusk, and um, I'm uh, president of a company called Rusk Industries. And that's a company that started about 35 years ago now. I hate to say that because time has just flown by, but it it, kind of all began when I was in high school myself. I, I, um, I would go to, to the local carryout after school, and in order to get there, you had to cross through a fence, which was next to our high school, and that separated us from an uh, industrial park. And we would go through that hole in the fence on our way to carry out. and I would always pass this company, and there was always the, the, the things that you know young guys wanted. There was dump trucks, and there was you know concrete trucks and there was jackhammers and, you know, dirt piles and everything else that, you know, that guys are interested in. And I I just, um, there was so much energy and so many people milling about. And I thought, you know, I need spending money like anybody else. You know, I I was 15. I wanted to buy my first used car. I wanted to take my girlfriend out, you know, for a pizza or whatever to a movie. So I decided I'm I'm just going to go in there and check it out and see what's happening there. And 
um, I asked, what, what, what are you doing? And they said, well, we, we fix old leaky basements and crawl spaces. So we're basically glorified ditch diggers. And I said, okay, I can do that. So they had me in and uh, I started doing it when I was 15. I hate to tell you that I'm still working for the same company, although I own my own version of it now, some uh, 40 years later. And um, it, it, uh, it was really important for me to be able to just to, to feel what it was like to control my own input and therefore control my own output and therefore control my own income. And uh, one thing led to another. And now um, I started my own version of that company um, back in 86. And we went from six employees to 200. And here we are today. That is an incredible story. And I've heard you refer to as the million dollar ditch digger, which is kind of a funny way to put it, but your success has been enormous and you're clearly not afraid of hard work. I mean, I have a, well, my, my son will be 15 this coming Monday and he is not as enthusiastic about work as you clearly were. What was it about you? Were you raised that way? Were your parents entrepreneurial? Did they, did they push you to, to have that kind of work drive? You know, it's it's interesting because I had four brothers, um, and uh, three of them are older, one of them is younger, and we all just kind of wanted to do our thing. We we wanted to be able to to buy the things we wanted to buy. Uh, you know, my my parents. You know, my father was successful um, after we were you know adults, but early on, uh, you know, he he struggled with five boys like everybody else would. I mean, all five of us were under the age of nine at one point which is a miracle that we've all survived, but yikes <laughs> for us, it was, it was, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. And, you know, we wanted a new pair of jeans or new pair of shoes. We had to go out and find the money to do it. So it was real kind of like risk reward oriented from the very beginning. You know, my father was a Marine. He's, he's in the book. Um, he was tough. Um, but, uh, he showed us if you want something, go get it. And I think that's a lesson that uh, is lost on a lot of people these days. So you didn't, you did not go to a four-year college. Did any of your siblings? Yeah, uh, we had, and again, this is kind of how this thing evolved. That's such a great question because um, I had an older brother that went to a four-year college and he wanted to be an architect and that was a very specialized thing. So, you know, if if you're going to be a surgeon or an architect or a teacher or a financial person, you really need to know those things in order to pull that off. I I certainly wouldn't want you to operate on my knee if you didn't know what you were doing, right? So, but then uh, one of my other brothers just had a two-year degree, and then you know some of them weren't weren't really using the degrees that what they went for, and, and they were very expensive and time-consuming. And for me, I tried. I went for a, a couple of months, and I thought, nah, I, I need to go work with these things and make something happen for myself. And I, I just uh, I kind of stayed there, and, and here I am today. So that is great. I, yeah, I had. A similar situation. I didn't really want to go to college, but everybody was back then was saying, if you don't go to college, you know, there's no success. You're going to be living on your parents' couch. And I tried it once and quit and then went back and finally finished. It took me 10 years to get a two-year, two-year degree at night, but I didn't really use it. By that point, I'd had 10 years in in the workforce and I was learning on the job. And that's so important today. I mean, I have this conversation over and over again with people about the skills needed today. It's not about the education. It's about the skills. And how can you 
Can you talk a little bit about that, especially in your field, because it is so hands-on and so skill-based. Do you do you train people on the job? Is there training they can get outside to come work for a company like yours? Well, yeah, you'd be actually surprised that, that there are some people that come into our organization and they aren't really even familiar with a shovel. Okay. So, and I think part of the problem with that was it kind of stems back from when we used to have shop class in high school back in the eighties, you know, or up until about the eighties when, when they decided to close those down. And what they did is they took those classrooms out and they filled those rooms with computers. And I'm all for learning computers. I believe that's an important part of our life, but I never really thought it was a binary choice, whether it's one or the other, you know, why couldn't we have done both? And what that did was it, it effectively eliminated millions of kids from accidentally discovering carpentry, plumbing, home economics, machining, mechanics, all those kinds of things that now, instead of building tree forts in the backyard with, you know, wood and hammer and nails, they're building them on these little screens in their living rooms and you're not getting the same experience. So yeah, it it is interesting how you have to familiarize people with basic tools that they should have discovered when they were 10, 11, 12 years old, and they're just not these days. So one of the issues that that causes is, you know, we, we've got this uh, this digital age where now all those things are done that way. And we're kind of like shifting this pendulum towards it's it's either college or, or, or else. And we're oversupplying what I can solve, what I, what I consider non-descript um, business degrees and we're undersupplying people who know how to, you know, wire an outlet or, you know, roof, put a roof on a house or, or frame something or build a bridge or, or a road or even open a bakery or a, a hair salon or something like that. So, yeah, it is a challenge. Yeah. And that's a good point, right? So there's all these people coming out of school with business degrees and they have to work in a building or sit at a desk or, you know, turn on the lights or the computer's. How are they going to do that if there's not the skilled people to build the building and install the electric and, and all that? So, yeah, you know, uh, there's uh, I mean, I'm full of statistics. Unfortunately, these are these are statistics that I wish weren't weren't real. But they, they talk about the fact that 40 um, percent of people go into college as undecided. Well, to me, there's a step that we should have taken before that. I mean, you should probably have some kind of idea what you're going to do before you spend that amount of money. I mean, you know, you're talking about a, a fortune in, in a four-year college degree. And and the, the other thing is 27% of the people coming out of college, uh, only 27% of the people actually use the degree in that field that they studied for. Right. So what's happening with this inefficiency that we have right now? And again, I'm, I'm not anti-college. I'm anti-colleges for everybody. Um, because it was never meant to be. And, and we're kind of steering it that way with this new college prep high school mentality that um, I think we really need to take another look at. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of the the origin of this podcast. I saw not just my kids, but I just saw teens in general get on what I called the high school hamster wheel. From the minute yeah. they step foot on campus, it's get your GPA up, make sure you take AP courses, better get that SAT score, all those things. Not how are you wired? What do you enjoy? What are you good at? What sure. you, you know, what do you see for yourself? And you talk about that, about um, helping teens visualize their life and pave a path forward. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
You know, this is a really fun exercise and it, it came out of almost a necessity. You know, I, I became an involuntary life coach to a lot of the folks that, that work here. You know, I don't have any letters after my name other than Ditch Digger, okay? Um, I, I just kind of did this on the fly. And through, through that whole process, one of the things that I found worked the best was you get a big white piece of um, cardboard or poster board and a good old-fashioned box of 64 Crayola crayons, and you just have them sit down and draw what they want their life to look like. And, and I, I mean get really specific, okay? Um, are you a house person, a condo person, an apartment person in the city? Are you want to live in a suburb or out, out, out in the farm country? Um, are you a, a, a truck person or a car person or an electric uh, car person or are you a public transport person? Um, are you married or single with family, kids? Um, are you a dog person, a cat person? And if so, what kind and what would you name it? Uh, you know, what would you do as your hobbies and what would you do to take care of yourself? And what's your what's your give back moment? Like what would be your charity that you would choose if you could get really specific like you're building a puzzle? Because you would be amazed at how many of these pictures are completely different from each other. And we're not all designed to go after mega yachts and mansions and 15 cars. We're just not all wired to do that. So I have so much fun doing this because once they see that they're in control of their own destiny, they basically say, hey, Ken, thanks for the train. Now get out of my way and let me do this. And uh, I can tell you, it is a blast to watch these people grow into these goal-oriented, just um, successful, self-managing people. And um, you know, I surround myself with as many of those as I possibly can. Yeah, that's a great exercise. And it seems so, I don't want to say simple, but it, it seems like common sense, right? It's like a vision board or anything else. Sit down sure. and draw it out. Um, and it's funny too, because I mean, teenagers in particular, they don't, do, they don't do a lot of drawing anymore. Some of them do, you know, in our right. class or whatever, but most of them, to your point, are on their screens, on computers, their phones, whatever. And nobody sits them down with a piece of cardboard and a crayon and says, okay, draw this. You know, it, it's funny because I've had I've had some really neat feedback from the book itself, and I can tell you that one of the one of the most valuable pieces of feedback I've gotten. I mean, I I I just thank the Lord when I hear this. Parents will read this book, and then they'll have their kids read it, and then they'll get together and talk about it. And some of the feedback I've gotten is just amazing. Uh, I, I've heard people say, you know, uh, we, we had these discussions. And I'm not sure these discussions would have happened if we wouldn't have collectively sat down and talked about what the possibilities were. You know, they they what they do is they they drop the words as parents, they drop the words, you're gonna. Right. And they go with, what do you think? Right. Tell me what you want your world to look like. I mean, you know, what I would say to a student out there is who but you knows what you're good at, who but you knows what you're passionate about, who but you knows what you are meant to be. And, and what you want to get out of life. So can we not maybe just ask these questions and, and, and give them the space to, to, to tell you what, you know, their, their feeling is, because, you know, if you have four kids in one household, I guarantee you, not all four of them are meant to go to college. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it feels to me like that based on my hiring experiences. Um, One of them is probably really good with a hammer or a spatula or something that they could make a life around. Yeah. I have two boys. One's almost 15 and one's almost 17. Could not be more different. 
One is oh, wow. very academic, very college bound, his choice. I keep trying to talk him into a gap year. He wants no part of it. Um, very into math and logic and puzzle solving and all that. The other one would rather be under the car, in the kitchen, in the garden, yeah. playing music, something hands-on. He's a very experiential learner. And that's just two kids in one house, right? But to yeah. your point, I mean, I think it's very true. And I think as parents, I know as parents, it's our job to help them explore all of those options available. You know, what? one of the ways that people learn, um, there's many ways that people learn, and, and that's something I think we should probably grade our kids on a little more specifically. One of them is being tactile, you know, doing something with these. And and by the way, I mean, if, if you think about what is happening in the world right now, if there's 165 million people working in the United States, about 65 to 70 million of those folks do something with their hands. So, there, there obviously, it, there's a huge supply and demand issue going on there, which is, again, what creates, you know, lucrative opportunities because where supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes, right? So I just think we need to spend a little more time learning who these kids are before we, you know, we got to get rid of the you're gonna and get rid of the societal norm and that corral that takes them into a college experience when some of them that just might not be for them. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of it too stems back to the stigma of blue collar work, right? Like, yeah. well, you have to get a job in an office. You have to have a college educated position. No, you don't. I mean, how do we deal with that? How, especially for, let's be honest, there's still a lot of parents that feel that way. Like I know parents who are saying my kid's going to college, whether they like it or not. Um, any advice or thoughts on that? Well, again, my my question back to that parent would be so that they can do what? Um, my kids going to college so that they can do what? So that they can, you know, get a job so that they can do what? So that they can earn a living so that they can do what? So they can get a job to earn a living so that they can create a life for themselves. Aha. Now we're on to something that goes back to the picture I was telling you about. See, being a ditch digger was probably number 99 on a list of 99 things that I wanted to do when I was younger. But I knew that I could control my own income and I could control the result of my life based on that. So this is very controversial, but sometimes it doesn't matter so much what you do for a living as it does what you do with what you do for a living. Um, and, and, and I like again, that. You have, I like that. You have to be happy in your work. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've been very successful and, and um, I'm very grateful if you came to my house and you saw what I've accomplished, not many people ever roll in my driveway and say, Hey, how's it going? Where'd you go to school? Yeah. You know, they, they always say, man, how did you grind all this out? Okay. And then we talk about what we do and how we did it. So I, I just think there's a little, there's a piece missing there that we need to take just a quick break, ask these kids what's in it for them. And then, you know, see if there's another path that they could look at. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. 
Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What other advice do you have for parents to help their teens figure out their next step after high school? I mean, you've talked about that, right? Getting them to think about a vision and envisioning what's what's coming and do they want to work with their hands and be tactile? Do you have any other advice based on all that you've seen through your hiring and as your company has grown? Yeah, I'll tell you what's really cool, what's happening now. And if you're an old school boss, this doesn't make you very happy. But for me, I think it's really cool. The people that are coming into my office now are literally sitting at our desk and saying, hey, Ken, what's in it for me to work here? Now, in the old days, it used to be you know, I am boss, you are employee, I will hire you and tell you what to do. But they have the ability now through all the technology and the demand out there, they have the ability to job shop you six ways from Sunday. I mean, there's 25 for hire signs between here and the highway. So for them, they have so so many choices that um, if somebody comes into my office and 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 and, and throws that at me, I'm almost kind of happy about it because that means they're really thinking about themselves and what they can create with and through your company. So I would say to parents that there is so much opportunity out there. Have them just go try a bunch of different things. I mean, you, you could spend a summer doing two or three different things. Everybody knows somebody who is a carpenter, electrician, a plumber, um, whatever. Let them get out there and just try a few things. Um, spend a summer or even a year doing that. You know, an interesting stat I, I, I found this morning before our discussion was most kids are taking five to six years now to finish a four-year degree. Well, if there's no hurry to get out of the four-year degree thing, then why not take a year off and go out there and see what the world has to offer before you jump into that very expensive proposition, okay? Just, I mean, again, just just some thoughts I have that that um, maybe can make that a little smoother for them in that conversation. Yeah. You're speaking my language. As I said, you know, I'm trying to convince both of my boys to take a gap year, not because I don't want them to go to college. I just want them to think through it, have a plan, explore a little bit, experience different things. One of my previous guests said, prototype your life. If there's a field you think you want to go into, make sure you find a summer free unpaid summer internship Sure. In that office, because see what the day to day looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can do all the research you want online, but until you talk to somebody who's actually in that job and watch that day to day, you don't really have a true picture of what it is. Well, and here's another number that that a lot of times will just drop parents in their tracks. Okay, if you take a four year degree, and that's a typical forty to fifty thousand dollar proposition with all in. And you multiply that by four years, you're talking about $200,000. Hopefully, you're not borrowing that money. But if you are, I mean, that's what it is, right? Now, the same person can leave high school, get an apprenticeship where they're earning $40,000 to $50,000 a year under a carpenter or a plumber or a bricklayer or a mason or whatever, okay? And that is a a $200,000 positive So now you have this $400,000 swing in someone's asset base by the time they're 24, 25 years old. That is enough money to fund a house, a 401k, a car. So, I mean, when I I tell that story, some of the parents try to, they, oh my God, what are we doing? You know, they at least stop to think about, wow, maybe there's other options out there. So for me, and, and you talked about stigma earlier, I mean, there is so much honor in working with your hands 
in doing something that's prideful, in creating something that will stand the test of time. I always talk about that stand back moment where when you create that outdoor kitchen or you create that landscaping or you create whatever it is, that beautiful wedding cake or whatever, you have the ability to stand back and go, wow, I did that. I took that from A to Z with these two things and I made something beautiful happen, which is going to be memorable forever. Sometimes when you're in an office, you're only maybe one piece of that whole wheel. You don't get to see the start to finish. And sometimes I think there's a little bit less feeling about, wow, am I doing something um, valuable here? You know, it's just just a thought. No, that makes perfect sense. It's tangible. You can, to your point, hold it in your hands, look at it and all of it, just not your little piece of it. I love that. Right. So you talk about helping people change their mindset to become a today person instead of a someday person. What do you mean by that? You know, this is a cool thing. In the book, I talk about there's two different clubs. One of them is the someday's club and one of them is the two-day's club. And if you read about it, one of the things you talk about is the the someday's club. And let's assume you want to go try for membership in one of these two clubs, but you're not sure which one you want to join. Well, you go into the someday club and the parking lot is full of cars and there's people everywhere, hard to get in the door. But once you do, you realize the place is packed. The problem is all you hear about are people saying, hey, someday we should go fishing or someday I'm going to learn that language or someday I'm going to open my own business. And the other guy goes, yeah, you're right. Someday. That's a great idea. Someday I'm going to start my 401k. Wow, that's a great idea. Then you leave that club and you go to the two-day club. What do you notice? A lot fewer cars, a lot fewer members. But when you get inside, you hear, man, I went fishing yesterday. I caught this huge bass or I started my 401k. I'm already up 25% or let's do lunch next Wednesday at noon. It's in my calendar. You have to switch from becoming someone who perpetually lives in this world of almost to living in a world of look at what I've done. And, and I, I think for, for parents, just, just show them the difference between a someday and a two day, just, just show them the difference between those two, because, you know, we, we do this as humans, we do it almost automatically. Yeah. Someday we should go to lunch. That would be really great. No, you got to like get it done and put it in into play. And I think if, if parents can get their kids a little more like results oriented, I think um, I think they'd be a lot more independent going forward. Yeah. And I think this year, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself. It's become clear to me, don't put off those things, right? When there's something you feel like you want to do or something you want to achieve, you just don't know when you're going to be able to or not be able to. So now's the time to seize the day, as they say, um, as, yeah. as soon as we can go out of the house and seize the day. But um, right. but it's coming. I know it's coming. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 56 years old and I hate to say that um, because I don't know where the time went, but there is nothing, there is no more asset, no more asset more valuable on this planet than time. Um, not money, not things, not whatever. I mean, things come and go, but time is the one thing that is something we all need to really, really cherish. So spend quality, quality time managing your time because um, you'll learn soon enough how much, uh, how rare that, that luxury is. (laughs) Yeah. I'm feeling that as well. It's flying by. Yeah. So 
Any advice for parents who are listening to this and, you know, their teens are feeling kind of lost about what direction they want to take or what might be of interest to them? Um, or maybe they want to try and look for a summer opportunity to maybe narrow down their their choices. Any advice on on good ideas to get started for them? Well, I, I think the first thing is to sit down and have a conversation with them. Okay. I talked about those conversations earlier. You know, whether you read the book or not with them doesn't matter. Sit down and have this conversation and let them know that it's okay for you to be thinking along the entire spectrum. Okay. It's okay to think outside of the college or else box. Okay. Think about apprenticeships. Think about uh, tech schools or trade schools. Think about college. Think about the whole picture. But before you do that, let's figure out why you're doing it to begin with. What do you want your life to look like? And then if we get that part down, all the possibilities open up because I'm going to tell you, you know, it's never been easier to open your own business right now. I mean, when I started, it was spreadsheets with pencils. Okay. (laughs) Um, Now we're talking about on your iPhone, uh, you can run a whole company. Uh, you get your your pickup truck or your delivery van and your phone. You got a company. It's it's never been easier to do that than than it is now. There's the barriers to entry are very little. So um, not only that, but if you're a person that will show up on time, look somebody in the eye, give them a firm handshake, and God forbid, do a great job for them, you're like a rarity anymore. So you are going to excel like you can't believe just because of that expectation, which is rare now, but used to be the norm. So yeah, um, do those old fashioned things and I guarantee you'll be successful. Great advice. Really great advice. So I want to make sure that we have some time to talk about the amazing work that you have done and continue to do with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, because I think I say this all the time. I use the hashtag, especially with young people, use your power for good, right? When you've achieved success, always pay that back in some way and, and find a way to help others. Can you talk about what you and your company have done with Make-A-Wish? Because it's pretty amazing. Yeah, we, we've been sponsoring Make-A-Wish now for uh, 20 years and we give a wish away every year. And not only do we give a wish away, but we get involved in it. So we invite the family in, everybody meets them. We talk about what's going on. We talk about their wish, where they're going, whether it's Disneyland or whatever they might be doing. And then we see them afterwards and we have Christmas for them and we do all kinds of stuff just to kind of stay involved in, in, um, in their wish versus just writing a check and saying, Hey, look at me. I sponsor make it wish. Right. So this year, um, I'm trying to do multiple wishes. So I'm, I'm giving away the proceeds from my book towards the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And we're trying to do this thing. I know it's getting late in the season, but if you buy the book, you can either buy it for yourself or give it as a gift. And if if you do that, you'll know that either way, you're supporting someone, um, a, a child who could really use their wish, especially this time of year. So it, it's a charity that I absolutely love. Um, I've, I've been doing it for a, a long time and we love to back fighters. We love to back local, you know, local people that are, are really in need and we get to see where the money goes. So if you're listening out there, I hope you'll support Make-A-Wish. It's an awesome, awesome uh, charity. That's fantastic. The book is Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future and Find Happiness for Life. 
Um, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. I'm going to order my copy today and I'm going to talk to everybody I know and, and spread the word because do you want to talk a little bit about the book and what people can expect from it? Well, you know, there's, I always get asked this question, who should buy this book? And there, there's basically three people. So if you're a mom and dad um, or an aunt or uncle, a grandparent, whatever, and, and you know somebody in your life that might need a little mentoring, this book is amazing for the reasons that we've already discussed. If, if you're a, a midlifer and you're sitting in some cubicle somewhere on the fifth floor and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I really have a passion for, for making wooden furniture or something. Then it can help you transition from that current position back into what you're more passionate about. You know, you start as a side hustle and you morph your way into making it a full-time gig, if you will. And then finally, if you're a business owner and you have employees and you're really, you really want to find some long-term, really loyal, self-managing, goal-oriented employees that can help take your company to new heights, this is a good book to read and have class with it, like maybe once a week. It's only 10 chapters, they're real quick, and just knock that out um, over, the, over the winter maybe. And you'll come out of the gate fired up and ready to make some big things happen next year. Oh, sounds great. Like I said, I'm going to put a link to the show notes and um, people can get their copy. Where else can people find you and follow you? Because I know they're going to want to. You have a lot of wisdom to share and and people may want to reach out to you or follow the work that you're doing. What's the best way to do that? Well, you can go to Ken Rusk Official on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, you can also follow us at KenRusk.com. And uh, we have a lot of great blogs there. I mean, our, our blogs are pretty popular. So, um, and our, our articles, we always put um, helpful articles on where to find jobs and how much money you can make and things that you might not be thinking about. We have that on our Facebook page. A lot of great stories there, a little bit about the charity work that we do too. So um, it's, it's a good spot to hang out for a little while and, and see if you can learn something. And um, I'd be happy if you all join me over there and, you know, see what happens from there. That's great. I will include all of those links so it's easy for everyone to find you. I want to ask you one last question that I ask a lot of my guests. If you could go back to high school and give high school Ken one piece of advice, what would it be? Now, this is the easiest one to answer in the world. Really? So, oh yeah. So if, if you, let's say someone, uh, someone is going to pay you right out of high school, they're going to pay you $40,000. I want you to say, thank you for paying me 37000 because I want you to take that first 3000 and forget you ever had it. You haven't earned it yet. It's not on your paycheck. You just forget about it. It's not yours. I want you to take that, that $3,000 and I want you to put $60 a week into that 401k program that's out there for you, okay? Because if you do that for 10 years, you can stop saving by the time you're 31 and you'll have over a million dollars in your account when you retire. Wow. Now, if you wait till you're 35, you have to save all the way into your 60s just to get that same amount of money. So I would tell people the value of young money, the value of young money and time is an amazingly powerful force that I wish somebody would have told me about early on. I would have shoved so much money, more money into it back then. And uh, it's a simple, easy thing. I think all high schools should teach that. But, um, you know, you're hearing it now, so hopefully they'll take advantage of that. Oh, that's great advice. I wish somebody would have told me that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Ken, for being here today. I am so grateful. So much value in this conversation. So much wisdom and advice and insight. And 
I love the work that you're doing and I love that you're getting the message out and encouraging young people to find the path that's right for them because that is my that is my mission. So thanks so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And again, happy holidays to everybody out there. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or two. The more that listen, download, and share, the better others will be able to find it. And please go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. I'd also love it if you would join me and my co-host, Jay Dusold, in our Life After 12th Facebook group. The High School Hamster Wheel is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.